welcome back to the Cory Doctor podcast. Not quite the last one of 2021, but I'm about to record that one right after this one, and I will upload it while I'm away. I'm about to leave for, well, from now until New Year's in Europe. I was supposed to be speaking at a conference in Brussels on antitrust, a very exciting one indeed. It has cancelled because of Omicron. But I am still speaking at a UN Internet Governance Forum in Warsaw. So I'm going to go to Warsaw, and then I'm going to meet my family, and we're going to have our Christmas holiday with my in-laws, and then come home. And uh, when I get home, I'll be back for about a week, and then I'm going to have my left hip replaced. This is my second hip replacement. I may get a podcast out in that time, but otherwise you will probably next hear from me in like February or maybe even March. It's going to be quite a hiatus as I recover from that hip replacement. The hip replacements are not a huge deal. I had the other one done in September, but I did learn the hard way that you should take it easy, do a lot of rest and recuperation, not spend as much time sitting up as you might want to because that puts pressure on the suture and generally just not working if you can help it. So I'm not going to work if I can help it. But as I say, I will be speaking at the Internet Governance Forum in Warsaw on December the 10th, and that will be live streamed and recorded, and you can find links at the bottom of every edition of Pluralistic.net. And because I am leaving on Thursday, you have until Wednesday morning, probably, to uh, contact Dark Delicacies. Uh, darkdell.com if you would like to have an inscribed signed personalized copy of my books sent to you in time for christmas they make lovely gifts if you just want a signed one that's not personalized well you can order it whenever you want notwithstanding the vagaries of the postal system because they have a big pile of signed stock but if you want me to come in and with my own hand wish your aunt or uncle or nephew or niece or some other person, including you, uh, happy birthday or happy Christmas or happy Hanukkah or happy whatever, then you need to do that by Wednesday this week. So speaking of things that I have written, <laughs> I finally finished the first draft of Spill. This is one of the commissioned Little Brother short stories that came out of the Attack Surface podcast. It turned out to be about a 33,000 word novella, and it has gone through one of my two technical readers. The first of them said that it was fine and that there were no technical issues with it. The second one is a little busy, but I'm hoping will get back to me soon. This is a book, well, I guess a book. I mean, 33,000 words is a hell of a long novella about pipeline protests and about the cybersecurity issues and human rights issues and how they come together, pipeline protests. So I'm pretty excited about that. It was a great commission. The story went in some unexpected and surprising ways. And I'm really pleased with how it came out. So I'm hoping that that will be ready to be submitted, you know, sometime early in the new year. I have two more of these Little Brother commissions to write, one about remote proctoring and exams. That'll probably be much shorter. And then the third one is about biohacking and homebrew insulin. But before I write those, I'm going to write a short story for 12 Tomorrows, the MIT Tech Review Anthology that Jonathan Strawn has very kindly invited me to. So uh, I don't know about your week. I actually had a really nice week. My wife was out of town, and while I missed her terribly, it meant that my daughter and I had a week to spend together doing daddy-daughter stuff, which is not a thing we've had a lot of because everyone's been locked down in our house for a couple of years. But my wife had a work trip, and my daughter and I got on really well. 
and had a lovely time. And that was great because it's been a little rocky being locked in. And, and it was really nice to reconnect with her. And, you know, I urge you to spend some time with your family. Right after I finish this podcast, I'm going to drag her into my office and we're going to record our annual father-daughter Christmas podcast to post sometime closer to Christmas, or at least before the end of the year, while we're away on family holiday and seeing in-laws. You know, while I'm on the subject of parenting, that's my my smooth segue, uh, that brings me neatly to today's reading, which is last week's medium column. It's a short column called Give Me Slack, and it's about the benefits of child rearing in an environment where there's some forgiveness built in, and the problems of trying to grow up in an uncertain world that makes you express a lot of certainty about what you want to do with your future very early on. From doctoro.medium.com, this is Give Me Slack, My Parental Worries, circa 2021. I was a mere lad of 15 when I first encountered the Church of the Subgenius, a joke religion started by a group of prankster surrealists out of Austin and parts elsewhere. The faith is represented by J.R. Bob Dobbs, a grinning, square-jawed salesman with a pipe clenched in his square white teeth who promises slack to all who profess the faith. Slack was and is an enticing concept. I always interpreted slack as a synonym for forgiveness. That is, the idea that our systems would have graceful failure modes, in which errors and failings were never terminal and could always be redone. A philosophy for an age of save game and command Z. I needed slack. After five years in a groovy public alternative K-8 school in Toronto, I landed in a highly structured secondary school that I found impossible to navigate. By the middle of my first term of ninth grade, I'd stopped attending classes. Instead, I'd take the subway to the Toronto Public Library's Metro Reference Branch and spend my days requesting esoteric books from the library stacks and looking up odd news stories using the microfilm machines. It took a couple of weeks before the high school administrators noticed that I hadn't been gracing the campus with my presence. They notified my long-suffering, infinitely patient parents, triggering an all-night up-and-downer of a fight, in which I argued that I should be attending the local alternative secondary school. I prevailed and embarked on a seven-year high school journey that saw me transferring schools, taking off for a full year to organize street demonstrations against George Bush I's invasion of Iraq, and a second year to live in Baja, California, Mexico, and write. I graduated at the age of 21 as an Ontario scholar and was admitted to the first of four undergraduate programs that I would attend over the next 2.5 years before I finally dropped out for good without attaining a degree. Today, I hold an honorary PhD in computer science. I'm the author of more than 20 books, including many international bestsellers, I'm affiliated with three universities on two continents, have been a delegate to the United Nations, and have given expert testimony to the legislatures of a dozen or more countries. It's all down to slack, the ability to take a second and third and fourth bite at the apple. I have a nearly 14-year-old daughter. She's a great kid, and I love her like fire, and I am so very worried about her future. Not because of her character or lack thereof, but 
because of the total absence of slack in the world she's growing up into. My first clue as to the elimination of slack came in 2006-07, when I had a Fulbright chair at the University of Southern California and found myself teaching classes full of brilliant undergrads and grad students. These were some of the smartest kids I'd ever met, and it was a pleasure to teach them. But when I asked them about their journey to USC, I was left boggling and aghast. According to my students, the path to admission to an elite school like USC starts on your first day of the ninth grade when your guidance counselor tells you that your college career depends on a straight-A high school record and advises you only to take electives that you have already demonstrated aptitude for. This prefigures your whole secondary school career with your course load tilted towards whatever you happen to be good at on that first day of your freshman year. Of course, those classes also determine your suitability for an undergraduate major, and since a year at a fancy university costs as much as a luxury car, switching majors midway through your degree is a prohibitively costly indulgence. Thus it is that your entire undergraduate career is based on whatever you happen to be interested in when you're an incoming high schooler at 13 or 14 years of age. This in turn determines which grad school programs you can expect to gain admission to and or what careers you might expect to pursue. Thus it was that I found myself teaching brilliant, driven PhD candidates in their mid-twenties carrying six figures worth of debt who had not been permitted to take a single intellectual risk since they began puberty. To make matters worse, they were headed for careers that might well no longer exist by the time they entered the job market. My weird 100-student alternative school in Toronto didn't even have a full-time guidance counselor, just a teacher who undertook the mandatory guidance tasks assigned by the Ministry of Education. My sole interaction with this guidance was taking a computerized career aptitude test that advised me to pursue a career as a geriatric nutritionist, that is, a cook in an assisted living facility. The people who have that job are doing incredibly important work, and to be fair, I do enjoy cooking. But I don't think it was the job for me. Today, I am the father of a nearly 14-year-old in the ninth grade at an excellent public school in a well-funded public school district. She has terrifyingly little slack. To hear her school's guidance staff tell of it, university admissions are even more competitive, that is, brutal, than they were for my USC kids. I don't need to ask those guidance counselors about the cost of a tertiary education today, It's even higher than the eye-watering costs my students bore 15 years ago. And so it is that I find myself fretting endlessly when my kid misses a day of school, worrying about how it will hurt her 9th grade school record, which will prefigure her 10th grade courses, and on to the 11th grade and 12th, and on to university and beyond. My kid needs some slack, as does yours, as do all of us. An unforgiving system designed to work well but fail badly is monumentally unsuitable to the chaotic world we're inhabiting. How can we ask 14-year-olds to choose their future paths for the next two decades in a world where climate chaos means we can't even predict which cities will remain habitable over that time span? How can we ask anyone to commit to irrevocable future plans in a world where a viral variant can liquefy whole industries, cancel moves and business plans, shutter schools, and close borders? I want my kid to be able to goof off fail courses, take others, switch majors, drop out, drop in, take a year off, 
start up again. I want her school to train her for the fluidity and unpredictability of a chaotic future. Instead, she's growing up into a world where everyone gets one guess at what they think they should do for the rest of their lives. And the best case scenario for the majority who guess wrong is debt servitude and a life where curiosity is a bug and not a feature. All right, well, that's it for the rest of the year, apart from the daddy-daughter podcast that I'm about to go and, and grab the kid for. I hope you have a great holiday, a great Christmas and New Year and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and whatever it is you celebrate, Yule, or just taking some time with yourself and your families and the people you love. I hope that you're safe. I hope that you're healthy. I hope that you're vaccinated, and I hope that you're boosted. I am. I got my Moderna shot last week, and apart from a sore bicep, I had no side effects. I am looking forward to an age in which vaccine apartheid is over, and everyone has access equitably to vaccines, and we have good therapeutics, and we can put this time behind us and turn our attention to the even more urgent business of addressing the climate emergency and finding the solidarity we need to make an equitable future for all of us. For the rest of this year and for the years to come, thank you very much for listening, and I'll speak to you in 2022. You've been listening to the Cory Doctor Podcast, licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, share-alike US 3.0. Or as Woody Guthrie put it in another context, this song is copyrighted in the US under seal of copyright 154085 for a period of 28 years, and anyone caught singing it without our permission will be a mighty good friend of ours, because we don't give a dern. Publish it, write it, sing it, swing to it, yodel it, we wrote it, that's all we wanted to do. Many thanks to John Taylor Williams for mastering. That's Rynex Studio, W-R-Y-N-E-C-K Studio at gmail.com. John Taylor Williams is a full-time self-employed audio engineer, producer, composer, and sound designer. In his free time, he makes beer, jewelry, odd musical instruments, and furniture. He likes to meditate, to read, and to cook. Talk to you next week.